Welcome to The Patient Podcast, a series of conversations with innovators, HR leaders, and benefit advisors about how they're solving benefit challenges and building healthier communities by helping people access and afford healthcare. Hi there, I'm Laura Cave. J.R. Clark is with me today, and today we are excited to welcome Chris Lebrecht. He is Patient's new Chief Customer Officer, and he's here for a conversation about sort of the strategic use cases, the impact, the ROI for Patient's health payment account. This episode is a little bit of a follow-up from our episode from the first of the year, where we explained a little bit more about what an HPA is, how it works. And if you haven't heard that episode yet, I'd highly recommend checking it out. Um, that said, there's a difference between you know knowing what a solution is and knowing how to apply it. And I've been using this analogy somewhat at my own risk, but it's kind of like having a basketball. Sports analogies, getting risky here. Um, it's kind of like having a basketball but not knowing what kind of offense or defense you're running or if it's going to help you win the game. And there's not much use for a basketball unless you know those things. So, um, JR, I know that you've been spending a lot of time on the basketball court with your daughter this year. I, I know she's been playing a lot. Am I making any sense? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. Tell uh, me what you think. Yes, Laura. I have been spending a lot of time in the basketball court this year. Uh, so first year of of competitive basketball and like 40 games in a season. So yes, uh, sports analogies are good. I think you are right in the way that you are characterizing this. So, you know, I think about patients specifically, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time with partners and those partners are typically contemplating like kind of what the patient solution can do for them. And it's really interesting how each one has a unique perspective in the way that they see a fit for patient. So to keep with your sports metaphor, you know, some are running kind of an offensive strategy and thinking about trying to attract or retain employees. Um, others really are kind of trying to be on the defense. Mm-hmm. And so they're really just thinking about things like, well, wait, we've just been hit with a health plan rate increase. And we're trying to figure out how to offset that and, and have a way to help employees cope with any of their rising out-of-pocket costs. So really some we think about too are also just really trying to make the most of their existing benefits or point solutions that they offer and trying to remove cost barriers in that, in that scenario. So really when we think about this and I'm excited because Chris joining patient recently, it's really, I don't know, it's really cool to have him with us here because, you know, not only has he been in on a lot of client meetings to discuss this kind of thing here with patient for the last few months, but He also has 30 years under his belt as a benefits advisor, actually being in the trenches and helping folks, helping employers think through these difficult decisions. That's right. You know, he he's been so helpful at putting us into the mindset of a client and their broker or consultant so that we can really better anticipate and speak to their needs Chris comes to us after serving as president of the employee benefits group at one of the largest privately held brokerages in the U.S., Iowa, uh, where his team served mid-market till all the way up to very large groups. Previously, he was co-owner of the Norwood Agency for about 20 years. He's based in Orlando, Florida, but he's here with us in our home office in Columbia, Missouri today. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's unseasonably warm here. I was expecting colder weather. 
but I was very happy to see it wasn't so Welcome bad. to spring. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So Chris, um, to start out, I, I want to hear a little bit about your journey into benefits advisory work and what ultimately led you to make the decision to join the sales side of, of benefits and come uh, to join us here at Patient. No, yeah, thanks. Um, love to tell my own story when I, where, where I'm allowed to, right? Um, so I, I, I worked as a, I started out as a life insurance agent with MetLife and I lasted about 18 months there. It just wasn't the right fit for me. I wanted to do uh, more work in the commercial area. So I joined a small family run business um, in Long Ranch, New Jersey, and was there for 18 years, worked my way up to be a partner and a manager of the agency for property and casualty and benefits. So I saw both sides of commercial risk. Um, and then my partner who was 17 years, my senior decided that, you know, we both decided it was time for us to do something different. And so we, we ended up selling to, um, Iowa as of July 1st, 2010, I was fortunate enough to be, uh, asked to move to Florida from the Northeast, um, and run the department. <clears throat> and I worked with some really great people there and it's a great company. Um, for me to come here, I got to a point where. I needed to challenge myself. It's something my wife uh, kind of shakes her head once in a while, but you know, I, I always put myself in these positions of, can I do it? Yeah. Um, is it exciting? Am I fulfilled? And this just, what this company is doing is um, unique. First of all, they're, they're a leader in, in a health payment account, which doesn't exist anywhere else in the market. So that was exciting. But most importantly, um, they're really close to the end user patient. And I say patient without a why in this circumstance. Right. So it really excites me to be involved with a super talented group that's moving very fast with lots of technology and doing something in the industry that's really making a difference. Yeah, that's great, Chris. So, you know, when we were first introducing the whole topic of what we were going to discuss today, you know, one of the things we touched on briefly was really the strategies that, that we're seeing groups use patient for and how they're applying it to their benefits portfolio. But I'm curious from your side, what would you say are some of the top strategies? Well, so I, I think there's there's three basic focal points that I would look at. And the first is what I would call population health management. Um, in my consulting days, I measured myself and my team's effectiveness on the per employee per year claim cost. If we could flatten that or drive it down a little bit, we had a lot more control over the actual cost of an operating plan. And so when we thought about population health management, we looked at it in a number of different ways. First of all, it's, it's, a, it's a horizon that you're looking farther on down the road because you're trying to actually change the health of the population. And when you're doing that, you're focused on, okay, who do we have in this population that's doing well? Who do we have in this population that is on their way to a disease state? And who do we have who's in a disease state now? And so we know that 18, 8 to 12% of a group's employees are driving 80% of the spend. And you want to try to compress that down as much as you possibly can and keep people from getting into disease states and moving to those situations. So, that, you know, if you look at three health bands within a group, you have healthy, you know, un unhealthy, but may not know it and on our way to seriously unhealthy as the third group, the disease state folks. So you want to kind of slow that down. And the biggest issue we're facing right now is the financial barrier to care. It's very hard for people who are wage compressed, who may live in socioeconomically challenged areas to have the access that they need to be getting into the health system when they do. And how does the employer respond when they have a high renewal? They tend to go to high deductibles, higher co-pays, 
they, they push the claim side onto the employee while they're also increasing the contribution amounts, which is really difficult for them. So it's managing the health of the population, using the card to give people access when they need it most in a way that kind of smooths out that bill. So they're not dealing with spikes, um, but they're also accessing the system. If you look at it, you know, right now, the study came out last year where people making $100,000 and even more are living paycheck to paycheck. Very difficult decisions that they have to make when healthcare is involved. So that's the first one, population health management. The second one is really attracting and retaining, right? If I was managing the health of a population, it was extremely difficult for me when the turnover rate was 30, 40, 50%, because I was constantly being handed a new person and other people that I had thought I was making headway with were on their way out the door. So it's very interesting to me, and we'll talk about this a little later on, I'm sure, about you know, the impact that we've had on retention. That helps my population health management strategy considerably. And that's the focus of a lot of employers. We're in the tightest labor market that we've been in in the last 30 years. The tightest labor market I've ever seen. The biggest issue is hanging on to good people because we know what turnover costs. And that's what we're hearing from the employers we're talking to. We need help with retention. And we need help uh, you know, you know, right away. The third is really about health equity, right? We talked about this, socioeconomically challenged people having access. If you have a deductible within a group of 1,000 employees that's $4,000, the people in that group that are making $250,000 or more, $150,000, they look at it very differently than the folks on the line who are making $30,000. That's a regression tax of sorts. To be able to kind of buffer that and give people the access that they need over a longer period of time makes a big difference um, from a from an equity standpoint. We're all hearing about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Recognizing as, as we're talking about serving populations for health, you have to recognize how different populations view it differently and then come in with solutions that actually smooth that out and make it feel more level across the entire population. So those three areas, I think, really make a big difference where patient is bringing, you know, beyond just financial access to care, it's actually having lateral impact as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, it's almost hard to talk about these things separately because they are so connected, you know, uh, the retention of staff and their health over the long term. Uh, all those costs kind of bleed together, I, I guess. So my next question is, is actually maybe a question for both of you. ROI is always a major question on the minds of employers as they're exploring a new perspective benefit that they might want to offer. And there's a healthy amount of skepticism around the numbers that benefit providers like ourselves throw out. I've heard someone who's head of benefits at a very large company say, if they ever say it's more than 2x, I don't believe them. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, how are you working with our partners to appropriately scope and then ultimately to measure ROI for patient. So I'll jump in first here and then hand the mic over to Chris, because I know Chris is going to have some pretty interesting insight into all of this. But anyway, first and foremost, when we work with employers or health systems or health insurers as our partners, we really never, ever, ever act like we know more about their business than they do. And that's because, you know, each employer or each health insurer, each uh, health system really has their own challenges and their own goals that they're working through. So what we do is we like to present a menu of kind of the most common value levers the patient brings and, and really just let the employer or let the partner choose what's important to them. 
So our menu really typically includes things like, you know, employee retention uplift or improved employee attendance or increased employee productivity, health plan election flexibility, just a whole number of things like that. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't say even like what, what Chris was mentioning, even the whole idea of decreasing medical costs when you can give folks access to care. But then, you know, there are also other items like the diversity and equity and inclusion benefits. And and one thing that actually some employers like to think about is their own point solutions that they offer currently. Well, how how can patient help optimize those? And then, you know, there are also industry specific types of of levers that, you know, thinking of one example would be when we work with health systems, they're oftentimes dealing with things like, you know, nursing shortage, uh, Mm -hmm. shortages or or they're dealing with things like how can they increase the collectability of folks who are getting services within their own doors? So, you know, there are actually specific items that we work with there. So kind of the neat thing about it is some employers or some partners will say, hey, I've got like I've got six items out of this list that I care about. And I'm going to focus on all six of those things and think about the value of it. And there are others like I'm thinking of one in particular uh, who we're working with currently, who just says, I have one item I care about, and that's retention of my employees. And and I don't care about any of the other stuff to, you know, in terms of quantifying, as long as that one retention piece helps pay for the program, all the other stuff is bonus. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of a neat thing to walk through that. But we effectively then, once we like solidify what's important to the the partner, we're able to take it to the next step of actually using their real data their real assumptions, they get to inform all of the inputs into the modeling so that we collectively come up with what a real value return could look like. Because the reality of it is we don't want to put a benefit for their employees that isn't going to do what it's supposed to. So, you know, when we calculate ROI together in a collaborative way, we want to know, is the answer going to be that the ROI is a negative one? You know, if so, by all means, let's all walk away from this one. Or, is it going to be a 25 like, or anywhere in between? We, we really want to know what that true gauge of ROI looks like so that everybody has a realistic answer walking away from it. That's so great. long-winded answer, Chris, yeah. I know you're going to have a lot to add to that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I kind of own the market of long-winded. Um, so it, interesting point. I like what you said about the uniqueness, right? You know, every employer is in a different place in their healthcare journey as is every single employee in sales and consulting. To me, the most, the superpower of that is what I call attunement. It's the ability to see the world through the eyes of the first person you're talking to, right? They're all suffering to figure, oh, they're trying to figure something out, whether it's a CHRO or a CFO or a CEO or just an employee. They're trying to understand and figure out, you know, how do I deal with all these different things that I'm, that I'm focused on? And you said it earlier, I think, Laura, when you were talking about basketball, um, I believe that they're playing offense and defense at the same time because this is a super dynamic environment. So they're, they're, they're offensive on certain things, but they're defensive on others. So understanding where they are and then recognizing what patient's card brings into that environment and recognizing the, the, the connections that it has to other things. I love to say that um, patient doesn't make your benefits plan. It makes your benefits plan perform better. Mm-hmm. That is to say, like, you've got a deductible, a copay, coinsurance. They're there. They're going to perform. But when you put patient in, they actually perform better. The right. population health performs better. The retention performs better. 
recognizing those things, then having the conversation through the consultant or direct to the employer about, okay, this is where this can have an impact for you. You're trying to solve for retention. This is what our data is telling us. You're trying to solve for diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is what it's telling us. You're trying to solve for access to care. This is what it's telling us. And by the way, I know you were only focused on retention, but let me show you what good looks like in these other areas. A lot of people are focused on the problem. They're not really realizing that there's other things creeping up on them. Most people buy for three reasons. They're in trouble, they see trouble coming, or they want to be a hero at the end of the day. So our job is to kind of understand where the card resides in the ecosystem of benefits and in the ecosystem of all these different areas and the impact it has and consult to those unique employers because every single one of them is different, yeah. um, what, what it can do for them immediately and over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of this sounds really reasonable because depending on the strategy, depending on what's important in a given year for the benefits program that we are stepping into, you know, we understand that our clients have their own set of priorities that are agreed upon with leadership that they need to deliver on and they need to show an ROI against that metric. So we want to align with, with what they care about. But I, I do, I don't want to leave this section without saying something about what they are. It sounded like the ROI could be anything, but I mean, I think JR, is it safe to say that any one of those ROI levers could produce one to one and a half times ROI on its own? And then it's just a question of, you know, what are the assumptions you want to play with? We take very conservative ones, I know, to start out with, um, but partnering with an employer, would we just then cobble together the picture? And, and where does it often end up? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that back up, Laura. So I'll say it this way. Um, pretty much any one of the levers more than pays for the patient program after, okay. we, after we install the assumptions of the actual employer. Yeah. Like yeah. virtually every one of them uh, more than pays for it. And that's why employers can really look at it and say, really, all I, all I have to care about is one of these things, or all I have to believe is one of these things will come true. Uh, typically, when you think about the menu approach and folks selecting what's yeah. important to them, yeah, uh, you know, when they select a batch of them, the ROI is typically coming out between 8x and 12x. Okay. For, for where employers are walking away with, with right. what they believe. And it also depends on where their PEPM lands given all the selections and choices that they have in terms of the size of the line of credit, the length of the terms and the other things that go into our pricing. Um, but that that's really helpful to know that it's not like, you know, if you're, if you're only focused on one ROI lever, are you going to be able to make this program pay for itself? We're saying like, definitely uh, almost everybody we talk to is in that camp. Yes, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, so Chris, you were talking about, uh, some of those items like retention and, you know, DE&I. And I know that there have been some exciting studies done recently within patient thinking about the actual members that the patient has on the book. So can you say a little bit more about what we're seeing internally with some of these, these recent analyses and kind of what we've done recently on those two components in particular on retention and health equity? Yeah, uh, I absolutely can. But first I'll say, you know, as a consultant, when I met with Point Solutions who were talking about ROI, they were talking about the studies that they had, um, I would always ask the second, third, and fourth question, right? To really dig in on how they got to those numbers. What was the methodology? And I got to say, JR, I really appreciate your conservative nature, the way you've helped develop that. Um, we've gotten to a point now where we have critical mass on some of these studies. 
And it allows us to kind of dig in and say, all right, what are we seeing? What's happening within our book of business, within our clientele that we can glean from to help employers and, and also going to help us, um, you know, increase the value proposition. And so with respect to retention across 11,000 uh, employees, we found something really interesting about retention. Uh, when we looked at turnover, the employees that did not use patient, it was around 28%. When we looked at the turnover for employees that not only activated their card, but swiped it repeatedly, and we have an over 80% repeat swipe rate, uh, we saw a 19%. Um, that's a 30% delta between those two. And that's substantial today in this market. You know, a lot of employers are coming to us saying, anything you do to help me with my retention, I'm all over that. Um, you know, and, and I'll, I'll absorb that in a second. That, that, that has made a difference. Um, with respect to health equity across 89,000 employees, we've seen a 12% activation rate for folks in socioeconomically challenged areas and a 16% swipe rate. So what we're seeing in our data is telling us that we're reaching the people that need us most, uh, that they're using it repeatedly. Um, and as we continue to grow the, the volume that we have, I'm sure there's other things that we're going to learn that are very positive um, around the utilization patterns. And I think that's a big part of this, right? Care-seeking patterns are the biggest challenge that disease management programs have, that uh, health systems have, that employers have, that insurance carriers have. And I think we sit in a really strong position to influence those care-seeking patterns to the right provider at the right time for the right price that they can actually afford. Yeah. You know, and we worked on that um, health equity analysis together. And what I thought was so interesting about it is we chose to base it on the zip codes where people live, because that is how the social determinants of health data is measured. And what we were able to see was in those income below average income zip codes um, where people are living and they're 12% more likely to activate the card and 16% more likely to swipe it. That's also where you see much higher elevated rates of people with their physical health, not well for the last 14 days, mental health, not well for the last 14 days, higher rates of obesity and many other chronic condition factors. And so what that data really shows across 90,000 people is that the card is being used where it is needed most, which I just thought was incredible to see in black and white. Yeah, that, that's gold for us, honestly. I mean, when you look at that, that's we're reaching the people we're supposed to be reaching and we're doing it every single day Yeah, because those fights are occurring all the time. All right. So Chris, we always ask this, but um, I'm wondering how can people get in touch? What's the process to become a partner and come on board with patient? I'm wondering if you can demystify, you know, what they would be walking into if they contact us and how to do that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Then go to patient.com and fill out the contact us form is easily and easy enough. Uh, they can also find me on LinkedIn and I can route them to the right people. Um, looking forward to helping as many people as we can. So those are two areas that can quickly find me. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. I'm Laura Cave, and this has been The Patient Podcast. If you'd like to share feedback or contact us directly about this episode or any other, drop us a note at podcast at patient.com. That's podcast at P-A-Y-T-I-E-N-T.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>